you're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today, once again, is Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm a bit conflicted about this Flyers team right now. Um, I think we just dive right into it, right? To what, specifically? Which area do you want to dive into? You know what? I'm going to hit you with a controversial one, and I I, I said it right (laughs) before we started. As we sit here today, as bad as the Flyers have been this season, (laughs) Philadelphia Flyers are four points out of a playoff spot with two games in hand over the team sitting there. Yeah, they are. I don't know how we got here because literally last show we were talking about a 10-game losing streak and two fluky wins. <laughs> right? That's what we were right. looking at it as. We, right. You know, well, they got to break it eventually. And, oh, yeah, of course they're going to win two in a row because Arizona's terrible. But now we're sitting here a week later and we talked about this and we talked about the ball could kind of start rolling here because you're playing some bottom feeders. No offense to mm-hmm. fans. <laughs> but here we are a week later, and they kind of fed on the bottom feeders, bump in the road, but that's okay. And we're sitting here, and the Flyers have gotten nine out of their last ten points. What do we do with this information, Kevin? Help me here. I don't even know where to begin, if I'm honest. So here's where all right, here's where I'm going to go with this. Let's let's start with what what's on the screen, and then I'm going to try to go down maybe three different avenues at one time, if that's possible. If you would have gone back to the previous Wednesday and they lose the way they do to the New Jersey Devils. Right. Awful game. Lack of effort. No, basically almost a no-show performance. Just and, nothing. Nothing. Right. Three nothing. For horrible. Yep. And looks like, looks like nothing's different at all. If you would have started going in, because I went on the air going into, and I think I said this last weekend because we had the first two games of this. I went on the air last Friday, and I never like to give predictions going into a game. I hate the idea of it because of the fact that, you know, I don't sit there and go, oh, yeah, they like about the worst thing that I or the most that I could say is, oh, yeah, they should win a game like this because blah, blah, blah. Like, like I could I would have been saying that about the Arizona game for weeks on end. It's the worst team in the league. They've got five wins. They should win the game. Right, they're sitting on twelve but, points this season, or, or right. But I can't, I can't guarantee that. I'm not going to sit there and act like anything isn't possible the other direction. I went in and basically looking at the fact that they had lost ten, no improvement, making a coaching change. Everybody knew they were going to lose to Colorado on Monday, and then they do that on Wednesday. I'm like, there's no way they are not going to win in Vegas. There is no way. And I basically said that and they, and they go out and they win. However you want to look at it, they go out and they win. Maybe it was just something that they were, maybe it was something that they were due for and it just comes around at some point. Maybe they actually, I mean, for, for, you don't win a game without for certain parts outplaying the team you're playing. I'm not trying to sit there and say they outplayed them the whole game. You don't do it though without, being the better team at certain segments of the game you got the lead you know it's it's it, that's how it works you got the lead you you stay in the game you're there all right and, and honestly they they took a two goal lead in the third period of that game and that probably helped more than anything all right so they win that game now you're going to go into the Arizona game you're going to build off of that but 
that starts this last five games, that Vegas game. And if you would have said starting with the Vegas game, hey, in the next five games, they're gonna they're gonna take nine out of ten points, four zero and one, without telling you what the one is, everybody would have taken that because oh, yeah. nobody n- nobody went into that game. I think, me included, giving them a shot to win in Vegas. So I sure, if that I sure was, didn't. So if that was the one, then I think everybody's fine with the four zero and one record. Here's the problem. The one was not against Vegas. You won in regulation against Vegas. You won against Arizona. And I don't look at the Arizona game as any dominance. They were up 5-2 in the third period. They gave up a goal. That's how you got to the final of 5-3. All right, if you were up 5-2 on a team, yeah, you're pretty well in control of the game. And one mistake like that doesn't hurt you per se. And but Arizona's still... not putting up a ton of threats, let's be honest. They're not, but I didn't like the fact that it got the three with them. That's because, because it's like if you would have won that game five to two, there's an element good. there's an element of that that makes total sense, especially when everything was the way that it was where you're sitting there going, got an early goal, gave an early goal up, then started to build again to get the lead. And you know, and and at the end of a second period are going in with this type of lead, you know, like right. in a position where you know that you're in control, that's the best way I can look at it. Like, you're in control of that game. You feel comfortable with it. And then you get to Tuesday, and you play the Devils for the third time in the last two and a half weeks, something of yeah. that nature. Ending the season series, by the way, which is kind of weird. That And that's not even the only one. And I'm not trying to refer to, like, hey, I'm not talking about not being the only one in terms of, like, hey, they've played their two against Vancouver or their two against Calgary right, or whatever. That's different. I'm talking like, about, like, a division they wiped out- rival. Well, division, I know, but like at the same time, they wiped out the Tampa series quick in, in eight games, like yeah. eight overall games. They played them three times and they did the same thing with New Jersey. Like it's a little strange. Yeah. But I don't uh, look, I did not go in. I'm not going to sit there and say I didn't go in and go, hey, this is a winnable game. And, and And here's the thing. I still stand by exactly what I was saying going into the week, which was. If they won the New Jersey game, they were staring a five-game winning streak in the face. Yep. Right there, right off the bat. Because you looked at the two games that were next, and you said, listen, you've got that lined up. You should be able to win those. New Jersey's already given you fits, so I can't guarantee anything there. But you look at what Montreal was doing at the time. You look at what Ottawa was doing at the time. And Ottawa actually got better as the week went on, by the way. Yeah. So I'm, not, I'm actually not surprised by the game that we had last night in terms of the closeness of it, the competitive nature of it, the way that Ottawa played down the stretch. Because actually, I watched the first period of the Ottawa game and go, this is the same team that earlier in the, literally almost earlier in the week, beat Florida 8-2 to and yep. beat Tampa Bay 4 nothing. Like, yeah, I expected, I, th- I expected way better coming in. Especially for a team, by the way, that I found, I found out they were here since Thursday. Oh, really? I think. Like, That's they haven't played in a while, so they were in town already. Um, so I so I heard like I, I think the thing about Ottawa is they're such a young team and there's definitely a lot of talent on that right Josh Norris Brady Kachuk I'll tell you some guys like I, Alex Formanton oh Travis, I'll tell you somebody who, Thomas Shabbat there you go I was oh gonna yeah get he's to a him. horse well no well and here's the thing he is a horse but he was directly in my opinion for and and like their head coach DJ Smith said something after the game. That was along the lines of he was outstanding, blah, blah. Yes, he's outstanding because he gave you 35 minutes in 61 and a half minutes that the game lasted. He gave you 35 minutes, even without the overtime, 
he had played more than any Insane. other player in a, in a ga- single game in this season. That being said, he was directly responsible for three out of the four goals that were scored. Two of them went in off of him, and right. one of them, like, I, I, to be honest, I couldn't believe what I watched when I went back and actually saw the play in like in full in overtime. Because he tries to do, basically tries to end around up the boards, try to get it out that way. It takes a bounce, it goes back. But he did that as if they were going to just go right out, the, right out of the zone, get a two-on-one probably or something of that sort. Even if it's a two-on-two, I think he's thinking he can change there. Right. And he just stopped in the corner. And all of a sudden, as the play carries on and it's a turnover, he has this realization that I got to get back in the play. Like, and oh, just, I'm stuck. And, yeah. right, and now starts busting it for where Sanheim goes to make the play. And, and I'm just watching. I'm going, so you quit on the play thinking it was out of the zone. Oh, and, it's a, and, and it is a youthful mistake, but at the same time, that's well, there's exactly also some the type of game you're getting. There's also some element you're coasting a little bit because you've played 35 minutes. But, oh, yeah. Um, no, that was my point about Ottawa, though, is that they are a young team. And, yes, there is a lot of talent there. When guys have a bad night, it's going to be a bad night because they don't it really is. have that kind of veteran cornerstone guy to rally the troops, as it were. Here's the and here's the thing. It is if they even play fifty percent of what they were capable of, like they really didn't show up for the first period. They even oh, yeah. play fifty percent of what they're capable of in the first period. That game's a loss. Absolutely. That game is a loss in regulation. I mean, it, it, let's put it this way: it was already there. You were six minutes away from a regulation loss to the Ottawa Senators after losing in a shootout to the Montreal Canadiens. It, w- it would have totally changed. Like we would not be sitting here talking about. Well, gee, would you would you take four zero and one and five? Yeah, of course you would. But if it was four, if it was three one and one, with the last two being hey shootout loss one out of four. Ch- it's a whole different right. podcast today, to be honest with you. <laughs> we're, we're back on. You know, what do we get for Claude Giroux if we're three one and one at this point? I think it should still be that, to be honest. Like, I sit there and I look. Like, let's just like, you know what? And being that you brought his name up and we're on the Ottawa game, let's just go to this because yeah, that sure. happened last night, too. And look, we've all, we, we don't have to repeat ourselves 20,000 times here right. to talk about 10, 15 years from now when his career is long over, no matter how it ends, no matter what happens from here. He's at minimum a Flyers Hall of Famer. For Bare sure. Minimum. And not Bare even – not and. And it's not even just that. He'll be much more appreciated, even with the lack of team success, yep. way, way, way down the line. Because the that second, thing be, the second you know, he retires, you get all the old highlights. You get the shift. You get the spinning backhanded goal on the goal well, line against Columbus. You get sure. the Winnipeg overtime goal where he skates into the boards with his arms out. Like You get all the highlights the second he retires and, you know. Right. So, so here's the, here's where I took it because I wrote this in takeaways for for today's game um, or from yesterday's game. It's at this point, like we can start to look at the uncertainty of his future for the rest of this season and kind of still map out what's attainable. So like I, I, I like I did this and it's he's he's tied with Bill Barber. So he'll pass Bill Barber for second place in points. And I, maybe look, maybe this is also a good time to bring this caveat into everything we talk about on this show. We, you know, we are going to get into the broader spectrum of what's going on around the league, we the uncertainty of this, this. Get, the uncertainty of the schedule as we're doing this show. Which, as as usual, Sunday morning, it's still early in the day. 
There are let's just wait. Actually, as we record this, there are less than four hours left until games that are on the schedule today. Oh, and as we learned this week against Montreal, we can be making decisions up until about two hours before game time. Correct. So just don't anything that we talk about today. We are talking about it with the big full, fat asterisk on it. No, not only that, but with the full knowledge that anything that we say looking ahead is not not set in stone at all. No. I've been doing I've been sitting here. Twitter's open in front of me and it's been open and I've been watching the updates roll in for about 40, which, by the way, I, I do need to file a complaint as we do. I, I, I did on Twitter yesterday, too, because I actually did put it out there eventually. I'm like, like whatever, whatever the number got to yesterday, mid-afternoon, because I know it increased by the end of the night. But well, I want to go back to Drew in a second, oh. so I know we're on this. Okay. But whatever the number got to. There's remember how last year when we talked about this, when we were talking or last season, because it wasn't really last year, technically, we would sit there and and I'd tell you, oh, yeah, we're all sitting here and we never thought we'd be doing this. But we're on the media site refreshing the page of who's on the list at five o'clock every night. Right. Yep. There is no list on the media site. It's it's, I I had that. I'm not kidding you. Shout out to uh, another website. I've shouted out like websites like Daily Face Off before because they give you like that, you know, the in the moment. Starting goalies for fans. Right. Here's who your starters are tonight. Here's what the lines look like. All that type of stuff. Another good one is Left Wing Lock. And Left Wing Left Wing Lock has a running COVID protocol list. Like okay. actually They're has a running updating. list. Yes. Nice. Because last night when I went to go check, the, the list was at 101 players. Now they, do not, now, they do not have – what they do not have is in addition, because I think I read somewhere. I don't know the number of coaches that are in protocol. A lot. It's, it's a lot. It's a not insignificant number. It's Yeah, whatever it is, it's not insignificant. Which Well, and here's the thing. All right. I, I'm going to, like, pull some of the coaches out. At, like, not that the number gets any lower if you do this, but I'm just going to assume right off the bat that the five teams that said we're done until Christmas – Probably their coaching staff is not available. Fair enough. I'm just taking a guess, but you know, like certain ones I know are true. Like Calgary's, I know Calgary's head coaches. Daryl Sutter is in protocol. I know Sheldon Keith just entered the list. But Sheldon Keith, the reason I didn't assume that was because, or like add that in my head off of that was because he's not. They're not one of the five teams that said shut it down until Christmas. I mean, we are still seeing that too. By the way, like we're still seeing the it happened with. Remember the rain? I I, I hate bringing it up. The Ranger game on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, God. Well, well, because remember that that game was coached by former uh-huh. Flyer assistant Chris Novlock, who is Hartford's head coach, because of they did not have a coaching staff that night. So it, it it's possible that you can still say, hey, listen, the team can play, but the coaches are in protocol. Like right. it it does happen. But there's I also saw last night something about. 13 officials are in protocol too. 13 yep. on ice officials are in protocol, which is an, another non insignificant number. And or also non-significant, you know, significant number. because we've heard so much about on ice transmission not being huge. And here we have some officials and we don't know if it was transmitted, but I think, well, I think officials. It, it, we'll get into it more as at the, maybe like to wrap yeah, up yeah, yeah. toward the wrap up of the show. But obviously, anything we do going forward is so. So, all right. So this that was, is where that was, was our whole point of the deviation was to let you guys know that if something okay. changes between now and the publishing of the show, well, we'll throw in a little bit of an edit update. But well, after here, the show is published, if well, here's the other thing too. Well, here's another thing too, because one of the things we had talked about last week was we're probably not doing a show next week because of the holiday weekend right. and all that stuff like that. I like honestly, I'm not opposed to at some point I might make an update down the line go for if, it like in terms of 
if if everything just gets postponed for a little while, like we it, we might it do might an be emergency fair podcast. We could. I, I don't even if it's just a half hour quick one, Absolutely. just say, listen, this is what happened. Where do we go from here and how long, you know? We, we, we might do an emergency. We podcast. might. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, I don't feel like we I feel like we're going to talk about the topic enough that uh, believe me, I'm tired of looking at it already. But <sighs> me it, too. But, man. but it but it but it exists and I can't ignore it. That's the problem. So. All right. So the reason that I, I made a diversion here because we Claude Drew ties Bill Barber in points. So that that could change. He could move into second by himself as soon as Tuesday. Assuming everything and stays the way, the way he's right been, now. the way he's been playing this season, honestly, he's fairly likely to. Claude Giroux has been phenomenal. I got to go back to uh, takeaways for a moment because I wrote down his little stretch of in the last several games. I think in what was that, what did I say it was in December. He, which is nine games so far for the Flyers, he has four goals and four assists. So he is near point per game when you can and when you consider maybe look take the one game that nobody scored in the the devil game from a couple like last middle of last week right and you've got he's put something up in just about every game he's played I mean I think he's got points in six or seven of the nine which is when the you know when the going typical gets tough, the tough get going and Claude Giroux See, and, and, and seven thing, eight games deep into a losing streak decided no 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 we're done here and just started I mean, putting up the, points. The, I mean, the guy had two goals in a game that they were nobody would have given him a shot to win because the coaching change happened that day, yep. and he came out looking like I'm going to try. Look, He's I'm going to try to put it on the. Well, I'm going to try to put it on my back, and I'll see if I can't will us to a win myself if I have to. Like that's and, pretty much what that's what I saw that night, even and, though they weren't the, their best. I agree with you. And that and this is where we are. So he, he's going to and, and and look, let's not act like okay, schedule up in the air and all that stuff. Even whatever happens, they will play again at some point prior to March. I think that's safe <sighs> to say. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. I feel for right now, I, I I think that's safe to say at the moment unless we really see something crazy like, you know, and who knows, everything's on the table. I'm not trying to say it's out not out there, but like for right now, I don't think anybody can look beyond maybe the next 2 weeks just to in general, like let's just it it's it's got to start somewhere and have like a well we hope that this is all that's needed right like right. it's got to start somewhere. Whenever they next play, like my point being, the next game they play, this could happen. Yep. The next game. The next time Claude Giroux plays regular season hockey, he could break this record. Right. Yep. Then look with a little bit more uncertainty at this point, absolutely you get into this territory. But let's just act like nothing's going to change because, you know, so far the NHL is saying we're powering through, we're powering through. You know, if, if they can play, they'll play, right? Like that right. kind of stuff. All right, so let's just say they Colin nothing Campbell changes. Campbell has been adamant. Let's just say that nothing changes with the schedule or whatever. So he's 17 points right now away from 900, only which would make him only a second flyer to get there. And he's 29 games away from 1,000 games as a flyer. Again, only the second flyer to get there. These are two things that absolutely a thousand percent should happen. You know what sucks? He can do that. He can play that thousandth game, and then they can still trade him at the deadline if things are terrible. Oh, and that feels bad. I get it, but it feels bad. No, but see, that's that's actually my point. Right. Because my point is, there's no reason why he shouldn't still hit 900 points, a thousand games in your and then jersey, if, and if you. And if they still want to go that direction, which I still think needs to happen with, with where you are. I mean, like, let's go this way. You already said it at the top of the show. 
they're four points out of a playoff spot, right? Yep. As long as they are four points out of a playoff spot, no matter what we think of the teams in front of them, no matter what we think of the direction of the season. To be fair, one of the teams in front of them is Detroit, and we're not expecting that to last. But anyway. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, it, it is, you know, it is six days until Christmas, and Detroit is in a playoff spot. You know, you're not. the wrong. longer you're there, the more legitimate you are. You're not wrong. And for what it's worth, after after all of the hype of, I'm trying to think of who it even was that we were talking about so much that, um, oh, after all the hype, it was because the Montreal game was this week. After all the hype about how it was still going to technically be Cole Caulfield's rookie season, the guy who I think is probably making the best case for Calder is Lucas Raymond. You're not wrong. He's making a really strong case. I mean, for for December, but he's making probably one of the strongest cases in the league. And look at where they are. Also, I think it would be hilarious if Detroit makes the playoffs only to get matched up with Toronto in the first round and Tyler Bertuzzi can't play in any of your road games. Yeah, I hear you there. Because that's um, funny. Yeah. Um, but, but regardless, regardless of his status, like you're, you're looking at these teams. Detroit, by the way, I think what Detroit's played, what, 31 games compared to the 29 the Flyers have. So there's still four game or it's, four points up in the air. It's a little early to use the phrase games in hand, but the Flyers have two games in hand. It's also really early to use it because of the fact that as there's we know, two teams to, ahead of them. No, that's actually not the reason I was going to oh, okay. say. The reason I was going to say is because as we saw two seasons ago, it's going to be points percentage. You could go by points percentage, which 500 is not getting you there. Not now. Not right now. It's not. No. So you could use a little more significance, you know, in terms of everything, because let's put it this way. Think about it. If they would have, let's say they win the Montreal game as opposed to, and, and the opportunity, loss. by the way, the opportunity was there because you get a power play in overtime. By the way, it's like abolish the shootout. Just a ball. It's a skills competition. It is, but it's like resolving an NBA game with a dunk competition. Come on now. Listen, I get you. I'm not trying to say that I love the shootout. This thing's been in the league for 15 years. They still don't have a guy who is good enough in shootouts. I, you're correct. Okay, who shot? So it was in in what in Thursdays? It was Couturier, then Giroux, then Atkinson, which. For what it's worth, I saw this come out on Twitter right after the fact. I forget exactly who put it out there. Um, but that was actually like your three highest percentage players in shootouts in their careers or whatever it right. might be. Which, for what it's worth, for everybody who goes, oh, they got nobody who can score in the shootout. They score at about the league average rate. Like, they are 0-3 the, the, in the shootout. The, the, but the difference, yeah, no, I know. But I'm saying the difference is, you know what you don't have? You don't have... For for lack of a better name, because it's going to come up probably later in the show anyway, you don't have T.J. Oshie, who's a 50% shootout shooter, right. you know, who, who is way above the average. You just have – you have the mean. You have the average, typical shootout shooters. I, I think what frustrates people more is, like, like Claude Giroux's attempt. What was that? Like, there's nothing to it. He just goes in and throws it five hole as if the goalie's not going to close it up, you know? Like, like an NHL goalie make can't a, block his own five right. hole. Make, make a move. Do something. I mean, if you're going to go five hole, open him up a little more than that. Don't just try right. to if catch him off guard. If you're going to do that, go Kucherov no move. Like, make, make something happen. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get the goalie going somewhere. But 
it's just disappointing when you lose a shootout one nothing because Carter Hart gives you the chance. He makes two of the three saves, and you know I think it was Jonathan Drouin who scored for Montreal. But I mean, he makes two of the three saves. We need one of you to score. One of you. None of you can beat Caden Primo. Come on. <laughs> well, and that see that was the other thing. Like I'm sitting there looking at Giroux's attempt. I mean Couturier's too to an extent, and I'm going do something, make a move on him because of the fact that the, he's so young and inexperienced that you, you should be able to somewhere. put it. You've got to move him around a little bit. Get him move and make, make a read. Stand. And I'm, look, I don't want to deny that he's not a really good young goaltender. He should be a really young, good young goaltender for years to come. It's not that. It's just, I like, you know, do, move him around, do something. But, at the, you know. I like Sean Couturier a lot. Anybody who's <laughs> listened to this show knows. I don't want Sean Couturier in my shootout lineup, generally speaking. He's just not that kind of player. And he's seriously been, like, your best shootout shooter in the last, like, whatever. Like I know, and I know he's been successful at it. I just, it just, it still feels bad. I, we need someone better. You're correct. Well, I, I've, I've, here we go back to, here we go back to, like, two episodes ago, because I've told you, how do you get a guy who does that really well? You know? You got to draft and develop them because they don't hit right. the market very often these days. So, right there you go. So anyway, back so back to Drew for a minute, kind of, and then we'll go back yeah. to the game. The games that took place. You know, we can see all of these things ahead for him, these milestones, these things like that, and you can still like to me that that's the place where you're at at this moment. You can still have that conversation, that discussion about. What's his future hold? Where is it going? Because of where the team's going. And yet you don't need it to be, you know, like you can still look at those milestones ahead and know that there's a good chance. Like there's a lot of stuff right now. And, and Drew status was Drew status wasn't going to change for a while. Like you're not talking. You can talk about who you think they need to move and blah, blah, blah. But like. No one's going to do any of that stuff now. It's not going right. to happen now. It no, wasn't... when you've won four or five, you, you, well, nobody's it's not going even, anywhere right now. It, it wasn't even based off of that. It's just oh, okay. when you're in the middle of December, nobody else is that. First of all, in the middle of December, no one's really thinking it to begin with. And then on top of it, given, you know, I already hinted at it. Five teams are shut down and right. how many players are in COVID protocols. You're not exactly moving players in the middle of situations like that either. Like right. you're just more or less, you're actually trying to figure out where is this going? What, what is happening? Like you don't even know what tomorrow holds, let alone what a week or a month from now or two months from now holds to jump ahead in your brain. Like normal season, down a little bit, norm, normal seasons you can have. And then this is, this is where it's going to get complicated if I'm honest. Because normal seasons, you can have this conversation. Like I'm a, yep. I, like there's a part of me that feels like I'm talking about things that as if everything is still normal. And I'm not trying to say like, uh, like obviously things are not normal. I, I, I would know firsthand. Every I'm show we've showing. done for almost two years has been shrouded in COVID. Like we all we all know what we're living in. <laughs> right. And and here. So here and here's my thing. Like because what, what I mean when I say everything like acting as if everything's normal. It's what I mean by acting as if everything is normal is in a normal circumstance prior to everything with COVID and all that type of stuff. If you felt like you were going in this direction, you could already start to kind of in your mind, deviate the plan. Hey, when the deadline rolls around, this is how we're going to approach it. We're sick. We're and, X weeks out. Here's the plan. Yep. Right. That's the first part. And then when it comes to drafting and developing, because you could look around 
the draft pool and go, well, who's lighting it up right now? And you had a whole body of work to go off of. You don't have whole bodies of work anymore because you've got players like, like we can sit here all day and ask ourselves, like, like I, I, it's almost unfair to me when I lump in, when I sit there and I go, well, they've drafted in the middle all those years. So you're getting middle of the road type players when you right. draft in the middle of the draft in the middle of the first round all and the time. A- and apparently when you draft second. Well, they don't even have that player anymore, so I don't even go there with that, you know. But you get those types of players then. But it's almost unfair for me to look and sit there and go like, okay, they drafted Tyson Forrester in the same kind of range. He was a 20, what, 22nd pick, 23rd pick, something like that, right? But it's unfair to look at him the same way because you sit there and you go, well, when they drafted him, Nobody had played since March of that year, and the draft was in October. And then after that, he didn't even get a, a CHL season. He had, he just right. got to jump straight into the minor leagues. He's still in the minor leagues. Now he's hurt in the minor leagues when, realistically, he might still not have played at that level. But here's the hard part with that. How do you tell – how do you sit there and go, come play in the minors because it will give you some form of action for a year right. and then go back? They're doing that with Zade Wisdom, which is, to their credit, the right decision. But it's a lot harder for the number one pick of your draft class to sit there and say, listen, you had a really good year and you, you know, you could be off to a decent enough start this year that we should send like it it creates this tough thing. So development goes all over the place and it's not easy to sit there and look at a kid and say, well, you had a really good year in the OHL or the WHL or whatever. Go back for one more year and then you'll turn pro at like 20 and we'll and then we'll see where it goes from there. And then you're targeting like. Like you wish that you could take, I guess for lack of a better term, and this is it's relevant because his name has come up in the news a little bit in the last couple of days. You, you almost wish you could take, and and it's not the perfect example because he's been hurt several times through his career. But you almost wish you take the Wade Allison approach, which is here's a guy who goes plays in college for four years. Now CHL players can't go that far, but you almost wish that you could look at a guy when you draft him at eighteen and go four more years and we're not going to hear about you much other than just keeping an eye on what you're doing in college or whatever. Yeah. Just put your head down, put in the work and but but put in the work, but also get the time because it's not that easy to just keep grabbing guys. Like, like it's why when I see the question, I I see a lot of people who sit there and go, are we like, like people sit there and and ask the question a lot. Well, if uh, let's say they decide to blow it all up, like a lot of like, and I, I hinted to it as well. Like, I think they should do like, who do you even keep from it? And obviously the first name that comes up is Carter Hart because you see it, right? Like, take away the game that he didn't get to play on Saturday, which we'll get right. into, obviously. Um, but he nearly steals you a game that you were pretty much trying to lose at times in Ooh, Montreal. No you know, kidding. He almost steals that game for you because he's playing outstanding. He almost he gets had two it. points in that game. Just straight he, up win right, right, right. He quietly gives you... A really great game against New Jersey. Yep. And and against Vegas, he was your best player to snap a losing streak. And even the game before that, because the Devils game before that, where the rest of the team looked awful. He looked really solid. He gave up two goals. So he yep. so he's not the problem. I mean, I, I think I added up, and of course, it became totally null and void by Saturday. But he had stopped something like... 124 of 132 shots in the last four games. His save percentage was something like 942 in the last four games. His Pretty last good. four, I should say, which his last four, which to that point was New Jersey, which you know what it was from the moment he got pulled against Tampa Bay. 
that after that game, he's got he's posted a 942 save percentage. So if Whew. you thought so if you thought that hey, getting pulled in the middle of a five a five nothing game that turned to a seven one game against Tampa Bay was oh no shades of last season. He bounced back real quick. He bounced back hard. I almost one of one of the lines I wanted to use and I I didn't for obvious reasons was after watching the Thursday game and I didn't use it because of the way the things were go were trending already and they've only gotten worse since. But I almost wanted to sit there and say like, listen, if that was your audition playing in Montreal against the Canadians, nearly stealing a game that your team should be winning, no question. Right. If if Team Canada was watching, you might have won the job right there. Man, and we we talked about this big fat asterisk, and a lot of that has to do with the Olympics potentially not happening. But my point was coming into this year was he even on the radar. Uh, so like, I oh, think he was an outside candidate. Like everybody talked about, like they needed it. Obviously, it wasn't going to be Carey Price. We all knew that, just given his whole situation. But it was Mark Andre Fleury is going to be in the discussion, and then I think. I'm trying to think of the other because Jordan Bennington's Bennington there was in, right. Bennington was in the conversation. Um, um, I think there was uh, wasn't it wasn't Matt Murray at one point. I mean, years ago it was Matt Murray who was talked about, but well, it, it, it you know twelve months ago before last season, I saw Carter Hart on a lot of lists. Oh sure, and then, but then the way last season went, everybody kind of pulled back out. Well, and all of a sudden, he was like the fifth or sixth option. Like the, the, People right. almost threw his name in as if to say, like, listen, the kid, when you go back and remember what he did in World Juniors, two years in a row, gold medal game appearances, loses one in a shootout, wears, shoulders it for a year, essentially, and then says, I'm going to go be the best goalie in the in the CHL for the year, and then goes back to the World Juniors the next yep. year and wins the whole thing. You know, like... The kid shows up on the international stage. It's well, and 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 he's already done. Like I, I can't tell you that 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 that's clout for him in the sense that he's already look, done work for Hockey Canada, right? So, like you sit there and you go four years ago. Look what you did four years ago in World Juniors. It's 2017 World Juniors. By the end of the, like or, 20, or 27, yeah, 20, it was 2017 World Juniors. It goes into 2018. That's right. So he's doing all of that, and within a year, he's going to turn pro and he's going to be in the NHL by the end of that calendar year. Less than a year after winning the gold medal, he's going to be playing in the NHL. Which, by the way, yep. that anniversary was yesterday. So shame that he was not available to play. And although, sure was. hold on, not that I would, you know, would have been opposed to Martin Jones starting that game anyway. To be honest, right. you had to be able to throw him a bone somewhere in there. And with what's coming up, if I don't know if you do, look, I, I, I see your point. Carter I just know Hart's how pretty good. I just know how coaches work. I also think Mike Yo is coaching with some uh with very few restraints. I think he's coaching kind of he's coaching he is, his but best. I, he is he is, but I think also one of the things he's doing is uh, we well cuz we touched on it. If you're 4 points out of a playoff spot this morning, you're coaching to win as much as you can. Yes. Like especially you know with that, that interim tag. Well, because you know that your future of the job relies on whatever. And and to be fair, let's let's kind of I'm, and, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna change the tab over here because we're not really on Claude Giroux as much anymore. But I'm going to change the tab to this because this is a good way to look at the last five games, which he's coached seven, by the way, right. as, as the interim. I'll give him but the, the Colorado. Five, I'll give him a pass on the Colorado game. Uh, to me, his record starts oh, after that. 
I, I mean, it, it doesn't in real like reality. I but you're, no, but I you're right. But right. you're right. Like he didn't he took even control twelve hours before the game. That's not that's not his game. Right. You like well because the the essential point of it was. I mean, it, this isn't true to say it, but it kind of is. You show up at the same time you would for your typical morning skate. Exactly. And somebody tells you, oh, by the way, well, although I don't think that was true, but. You think like, it happened I, after I, the game? After the Monday game? I don't. It's not that I think it happened. I don't think. You I, think Elaine Vigneault knew he didn't need to show up to work the next day? <laughs> no, that that's not what I think happened. Because I, I, I don't think it was like that. I don't think Elaine Vigneault knew. I'm I'm not the coach of this team on Sunday it was Sunday right yeah so on I don't think he knew on on that Sunday night. it was Sunday Monday the back to back right I'm saying so he still found out on Monday morning I think that maybe somebody sends a message of some sort of, like even if it it could be Chuck Fletcher sending a text to Mike Yo saying Get listen ready. like like oh like well after everyone you know goes goes their separate ways for the night at 4 a.m. Well, or or like maybe one a.m. sounds more realistic, but you know what I mean. Like, because because here's the thing, Yo comes in the next day and explains how he didn't get a lot of sleep the night before. I don't think you're going like I don't think you're losing sleep over. Well, it was Getting a really bad set. Right. right, it was just a bad seven to one loss. Not as the assistant coach. Right, like if everything is fine and you have another day to try to prepare and be better, I mean, you're feeling the heat because the losing streak's bad. And maybe that does, maybe that does keep you up a little bit at night, but I don't think you're losing that kind of sleep in terms of like, Hey, like you can feel something brewing or, you know, something already, you know? Also, I'll say it. I don't, I don't really know how much I see Mike Yo doing during this five game point streak, to be honest. I think he's doing okay. He's letting the players play. He's not getting in the way. But I don't know how much I see him actively doing, if that makes well, sense. Well, okay, because here's the thing. He's already said you can't just tear down everything that they've been doing the whole year and expect them to go out and play right. well. you got to build somewhat off of that. They He keeps going into certain like certain areas. Like First, first it turns into it, it can be a work-level thing. It's building off. It's, it's building good habits. It's building confidence. It's... So there's there's it's those like there's certain little elements that come into play for them that you just try to build on one little thing at a time. Maybe it's maybe it's exits. Maybe it's, you know, it's puck management. Maybe like you just hone in on one area that needs to be better and and do and you do a lot of those things. You do a lot of film work and, you you know, you don't change up like, hey, listen, look, I've got a whole system and I'm the coach now. So. You subtly shift the direction. This this isn't the you know, but this this isn't the Captain Phillips meme that goes around where it's I'm like I'm the captain now, I'm Look the coach now. We're, Look at yeah, me. we're we're going to do this my way. Like he he's not going to come in and do all of that when you've been an assistant coach and you know what you've been like. The only way that that happens is if you hire a brand new coach mid season and say, hey, I haven't, and the guy comes in and goes, I haven't been here. I'm not going to go off of what you guys have done. I'm going to watch what you've done and I'm going to make tweaks to it big time. Right. Like that's what a new coach from the outside does, but a guy who's been I in the system to, all year. But I want to like see. But in saying that, this is where I want to go. With this I want to touch on another coaching change, if you will, that happened this week. And before we do that, but like real quick, you know, Mike Yo is a former head coach. Yeah, and you know, when you watch your boss do his job, there are certain things where you're like, I could do it better than that guy. 
So I wonder if Mike Yo Mike Yo's been making notes all season. Oh, Elaine made them do lines six times. I would have done five. You know, little 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 notes like that. I'm curious if he has a little bit of a playbook in mind already. Because he's been watching um, this team all year. And he's a former head coach, right? He's got to be looking at this as an opportunity to get back on an NHL bench, even if it doesn't end up being permanently with the Flyers. It's interesting because that's the dynamic that we talked about from day one with three them. head it's, coaches, three head coaches behind the bench. And I don't, you know, I, look, I don't know what goes into all this or whatever. Like it, it just, sometimes you got to look past all that type of stuff. I think that that's reading into it a lot. I mean, that's fair. I'm not, look, here, here's the best. I guess here's the best way I can say it too, to some to some extent. Which is, listen, if you were a former head coach like Mike Yo, is you're probably right about what you're saying to an extent because you go, it looks like anything else. If you work for a company and you're you're not the boss, but you're let's say you're a manager and you're looking to move up, but you're high you're high enough in the ranks that you sit there and you go like. I have to start thinking critically about what my job is because there's an element of that to my job. I'm not the main person here in charge, right. but but the, l listen, you never know. Like we're talking about COVID things going on in, in the NHL, right? You're, if a guy called into service as the head coach right. at any time, right? If Elaine Vigneault gets put on COVID protocol, then you could say Michelle Terrian or Mike Yo could step in and be the head coach for the night if they're able to coach. We've seen a lot of, of assistants do that this year. Right, but you have a guy who's been a head coach. So, in on one hand, you're you're in a spot where you could fill in if if the big you know, I guess this is the best way to put it because I think even Av said it at one point. I'm like, if the big boss is not in, or the big guy is not in place, if he's not there that day, like it's your your boss takes a day off. So who's running the show that day for the people that are there? You might be right. And there's a certain element of like, if you go into a meeting. You go into a meeting, you listen to somebody talk, you, you, you have your ideas of your own in your head, and you sit there and you listen, and, and in your back, back of your mind, you might not say anything in the meeting. You might go along with everything because this is the big guy. This is the guy who keeps you employed for the most part. But in the back of your mind, you might go home that night and, and inventing, sit there and say, you know what? I can be better than this guy. I'm I'm better than this. Absolutely. I have a better I have a better idea than that. I could do it better than this. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm saying. Like it, you're not it, suggesting it, that an NHL coach has an ego, are you? Oh please, you know. We might touch on John Tortorella later. <laughs> if 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 you couldn't tell, I just like for people who watch on YouTube, I just kind of gave that John Tortorella like that just that smile, like uh, you know, like that, you know, <laughs> John Tortorella. Okay, so something that we haven't really mentioned, and we talked about it a little bit before the show. Uh, somebody came back last night. Yeah, my boy, uh, Joel Farabee's back. Man. Okay, so so let me bring him up because this is a good. This is actually a really good segue because we talked about player. Like we talked about the lack of development for players and, Kevin, and and guys coming up early. Kevin, I have a question. Did he did he score last night? It, um, kind of. Did he, did he score? Is he credited with a goal on the score sheet last yeah, night? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Goal, Farabee, baby. He's yeah, back. Okay. Yes, he's he's technically credited with a goal. A goal is a goal. They don't ask how; they ask how many. And he's got eight this year and missed seven games, so that's not too bad. 
and went on a decent little drought there too. I, trust you know, trust it, me, I have him in fantasy. It was a decent little drought. Well, they all did for what it's <laughs> worth, but whatever. Anyway, um, so no, but this so that's funny you bring him up because this is exactly where I wanted to go with the players who get like the development of players and things like that. We all start the conversation of, well, who, if you were to build the whole thing, tear it down, build it all back up, who's the first guy that comes to mind? Carter Hart's the first guy that comes to mind. Makes yep. all the sense in the world. Joel Farabee is on that list for me. I think he's very high that, on that list. Because, well, because, and the reason is because you can't look at him. He, you know, For a 14th overall pick, certainly middle of the pack by all standards in terms of where in the draft. Like we talked about earlier, right. He's given you at 20 and 21 the production that you need from a player to sit there and say, you know what? There's a future here. Yep. I think if, you, if you redraft that draft, I think he goes top 10. Possibly. I, I mean, I'd have to go look at everybody else's name. You're going to make me do it now. Oh, look I'm, I'm going to pull it up real quick. You keep going. <laughs> no, I'm going to look too. It <laughs> was, uh, what, 2018? I believe they were talking about it on the. They were it, talking yeah, about was, a little bit on the broadcast last night because Brady Kachuk was also a member of that draft class, and he's a good and he's a good player. But to be quite frankly, but you know, quite frankly, didn't notice him all that much last night. All right, I'm gonna rattle off the 13 names before Joel Farabee, and you tell me if you would draft this person ahead of Joel Farabee or not. So first name on the list is Darlene. Would you? If the answer is yes, you would take Darlene over Farabee, or no, you wouldn't. Yes, given that, like, here, okay, and do I have to explain? No, like, no, I we're need... just going to rattle through him real quick. Well, because my point is, I know he plays for Buffalo. He's still got a lot of talent. It's Buffalo. Okay. I think we're going to rattle through these real quick, and then we'll go back on and touch on any you want to talk about. All right. Okay. So, Darlene. Yep. Svech... Andre Svechnikov. Absolutely. Andre Svechnikov went exactly where he belonged. You, know, you could argue he's had a better career to this point than Darlene. Yesperi Kotkaniemi. Um... Third, no, but top 10, probably. Ahead of Joel Farabee, yes or no? I, yes, by maybe, yes, by maybe if, like a couple picks. If you're the GM and they're both sitting there, would you take next is Brady Kachuk? Uh, yes, I take Brady Kachuk first. Fair enough. Barrett Hayton. Tough one. I mean, it, they're really close together. Again, it's kind of, you know. I, I see, I, I've reached my first no, for the record. Yeah, it's really close. I think th- I think you got something there. Uh, Philip Zadina. See, haven't seen enough of him at the NHL level. Like what I do see at the NHL That's level, close. that one's tougher. Like, I, 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 all right, you know what I'm going to do with this? Actually, I'll, I'll I'll play the game this way for you. And and Barrett Hayton is a little different for me. Like I, I agree with you. I think on that one, Philip Zadina at the time of the draft itself. If I was faced with that decision, I was taking Zadina. No, like, that's fair. Like, I'm, I'm saying like, now, knowing what we know now. No, I understand that, but that's where I'm going. Like, I'm sitting okay. here going, Zadina's got a future. Farabee's got a future. They both kind of are like almost, Farabee's probably played more games, but it's, you know, like, you know what I mean? So, like, right. I, yeah, I, I still think I probably take Zadina first, but okay. it's close. Uh, Quinn Hughes. Uh, I take Hughes first. Yep. Adam Bockfest. Yeah, Adam Bockfest is a tough one. It's a tough one. I think so I'm we'll taking Farabee, right. but it's very close. Adam Bockwist is good. All right, so ca- caveat. Some of it depends on your needs because he's a defenseman. So if you were looking for defensemen, he's probably still like I don't. Well, all right, he's probably still he's still the third. Well, never mind. 
Uh, you know what? I'm taking Farabee before Boquist. You're taking yes. Farabee before Boquist. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and, uh, well, you'll you'll get my reasoning as we go down the list. Uh, Vitaly Kravtsov. Farabee first. Farabee that's first. been a disaster. That's been a, no, because that's yeah. it. Knowing what we know now, that situation has been a disaster. Been rough. Um, although again, hindsight's twenty twenty, so who knows? Uh, Evan Bouchard. That's really close. I really like Bouchard. See, okay, so this is where I was going with this. This is where you go saying, on needs. Well, I go on needs, but here's the thing. This is why I said take Farabee over Boquist because as I go down the list, Bouchard's bet been better than Boquist so far. I take I Bouchard over Boquist. You know, and then, but do and you then take I, Bouchard and, over Farabee? It, well, for that, it's like it's tight, and by that point, now I'm already look like we've already put six at minimum six players seven. ahead. That this is yeah seven. Depends on depends on what I need now, because now I'm okay. getting into what I need. So, tie. I call it a tie. It's a push. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about Oliver Wallstrom? I'm taking Farabee. I like Oliver Wallstrom a lot, but I'm taking Farabee there. Wallstrom's been a product of being able to play less significant minutes and not have to play special teams because the team the team makeup has allowed him to. I it's think the more he's going traditional. To be- progress the more traditional development I, path well and, and here's the thing i think he i think he's gonna be there with farabee down the road like they they both uh, uh, correct me if i'm wrong they both came up through the same program at the same time they were both development team correct? right so they were both high profile let's just say they could have been line back, mates for all i know if i go if i go back and i remember watching that draft the way that i do the more wallstrom was supposed to go like six or seven or something like that. He slept for sure. The more, the more that he fell, especially once he fell out of the top ten, people were going crazy about the possibility of that. I, I was very invested in this draft from a fantasy hockey perspective. Um, oh, I believe it. Who oh, I was deep in on this draft. Um, I had a, I had like three top fifteen picks in this draft, so I was all in. Mm-hmm. Um, so Wallstrom or Farabee? Who we got? Right today, now. today Farabee, but. Okay. But it's it's gonna get by the end of the whole thing. It's gonna be close. Uh, Noah Dobson. Um, we're still Remember kind of in. I'm still kind of in the what do you need territory. But Dobson's had even like Dobson's probably had an even better career than Bouchard has at this point. Yeah. Like Dobson's probably the third best defenseman out of that draft to this point. Yeah, it's crazy. And I like him a lot, and he's shown me a lot. So take that's him over a real. Harvey? It's really, really close. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, like like we said, by this point, we're talking about like an eighth, ninth pick, and I'm picking what I need. And if I really needed a defenseman, I would have been thrilled to get Dobson at that spot. So, yeah, I, I, it's probably – Farabee's going to have more of the production. Dobson's been a really good stay-at-home type guy He's who, who, can, who, who can move the puck. So – he just hasn't like Dobson hasn't had a chance to show his full skill set yet, in my opinion, because they've got good defensive depth. The Islanders do, even though it's not showing yet this year. One more name on the list: um, Ty Delandria. Uh, I take Faraby. Still developing. I'm taking Faraby over him. Uh, skimming through the rest of the first round. Uh, Ty Smith has been pretty good. Ty Smith has been pretty good. Um, uh, Keandre Miller may be one of the other Keandre guys. Keandre Miller should stand out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Keandre Miller might be a little bit. I, I, I might maybe I want to pull back on what I said about Dobson for a second because Miller's playing even more, bigger minutes. And already. then we've seen Rasmus Sandin play a lot of minutes for Toronto this year, and he's been good. He has. Uh, I still think there was a reason he went that late. Fair. 
man, right. the Ran- so, man, man, the Rangers freaking cleaned up in that draft, didn't they? By, by the way, that 2018 draft is stacked. Like we just talked about a lot of talented guys. I mean, and, well, yeah, like, I know we're talking okay. about the top ten in a fairly recent well, draft, but well, hold hold there on, there were right, no like, almost no misses. Well, because here's the thing: I just said the Rangers cleaned up in that first round, and I say that like I say that with full knowledge. They drafted Kravtsov and, and missed because he won't play for them. But Miller and Lundqvist are like, holy hell, that's a good two defensemen that you've got for your team. Um, yeah, but but Lundqvist is is really good too. I believe he just scored his first the other night. Recent, very recently. Yeah, yes. within the last couple of days. So, I, I mean, I guess shout out to him, but he's a Ranger, so I guess not. <laughs> All right. they, they are where they are, you know? So, I think we've kind of talked out what we can talk out about the Flyers. Uh, the future's kind of uncertain, but uh, right. as, I, of, I, I, yeah. as of right now, you do have games on Wednesday and Thursday against Washington and Pittsburgh before the Christmas break. Again, we'll see if they happen, but as of right now, those games are both on. Uh, if the team that shows up in the first period against the Ottawa Senators shows up against Washington and Pittsburgh. Or for or for the whole game against New Jersey, but it, point still stands, yeah. Right. Then for four that, periods. If that yeah. team shows up in these two games against Washington and Pittsburgh, going into the Christmas break, going into potentially other breaks, <laughs> I think that's a really good like if they come back from Christmas if there is no extended break I think that's a really good building block to work off of and you get to come back with I mean even if you don't win the two games if you pick up three right. points if you show up have a good well, effort there should be nothing surprising about what's happened in the last five games to right. an extent I mean we talked about it it's you, bottom well, feeders well, well Okay, there shouldn't be, the but there uh, there shouldn't be, but there is an element to it, and, I, and I'll explain it this way. You started that stretch w- not knowing when that streak was going to end, so it's not like the, it's not like ten was the defined marker. Like, listen, it just so happens that over the course of the last five years, there was another ten game losing streak, it was a ten game winning streak. Like, you're, you're getting these really round numbers here when you do that, right? Like, it just so happens to be that way. Yeah, we talked but about there was, ten, ten game segments. We had an episode. <laughs> Well, t- hold on. See, it's funny. It's funny you say that too, because they are through nine of the next ten after the after the twenty games. And Chuck, basically, Chuck Fletcher came out and spoke after twenty games. I think it was, and this was literally two games, a game or two before they fired Elaine Vigneault. Anyway, even yep. though they were sitting here saying we're going to play it, play it out, um, because he tried like. The purpose of that whole conversation was, well, in the first 10, we looked we looked better than we are now. Right. And we went 6-2-2. Two, and two. And then the last 10 haven't been so good. We've chased the game. We're giving up a lot of opportunities. We're not playing well. And we're two, they were 2-6-2. and two. Yep. So. And so we end up where we always end up. Well, At, he, after 29 games, the Flyers are exactly are 500. 500. Welcome to Flyers hockey, baby. Welcome I will to say Paul this. Holmgren hockey, baby. Okay, well, here, hold on. So here's where I'm at with this. The point I'm making when I talk about this is that for the first – because right away I think they lost the first two games of the next 10 before making the coaching change. 
and then they lost two more after making the coaching change. So that, to the point where I'm sitting there going, all it takes, or no, I no, I know it was what it was. One now. after the coaching change, wasn't it? Well, t- technically two. Oh, right, right, right. The uh, the game in New Jersey. I'm sorry, I forgot about that one. Right, yeah. Right, right. You yeah, Elaine Vigneault was fired at eight games in a row, so eight losses in a row, and then there were two more that followed. Um, I'm trying to think of where I was at with this now. I'm thinking about it because see, I wanted to say that they played because I feel like they they played more than that because. I looked ahead. I was trying to think about it. They had lost whatever number, whenever 20 games were in the books. And then I knew looking ahead, I'm like, look at the six games. There, there it was like there were six games ahead of you and you could lose all of them. That was my thought. Yeah, we were. It was after the back to back with the New York teams. The Islanders game ended up getting postponed. You were looking at that Rangers game and then three days off after that. And then you could yeah, try- play. But I'm trying to figure out where it was. Like, where wherever 20 was right to sit there and say so okay so boston i'm looking at the boston game on november 20th was 16 so 17 18 19 20 so 20 was the new jersey game the press conference came leading into that day off that popped up because of the islanders covid situation right so so it was okay so it was the rangers game so there were two games already in the next 10 that you went okay they already lost two then they lost two more Vegas wasn't looking good. Oh, I know what it was then. Because the rec- the franchise record for winless streak was 12. And in my mind, I sat there and I went, if you lose the next five from the day that you're talking, which was Rangers, Lightning, Avalanche, and New Jersey, and go into the weekend against Vegas and Arizona. Hit it. it wasn't that there was a real chance. It was, I don't see you beating Vegas if you lose those four in a row, which they did. Right. And then... Good luck against Arizona, even as the worst team in the league, because you are on an 11-game losing streak with zero confidence. You also you have an going... argument for worst team in the league, right? Well, because I'm sure it's going to—you know what? I didn't bother to look after the last after last night's game to actually see what, how, what what's changed in terms of their ranking. I'm sure it's a little different. No, it's not. Never mind. They are still 24th in the league, but they're tied. they're tied with Columbus for 23rd, technically. Not really in points percentage, but you get the point. Well, right. Although they're although although they are better because of the fact that like they're better in points percentage than Vancouver, who's on a roll by the way since right. their coaching change. Which did you see Liam McHugh who hosts the TNT stuff, who put out who has put out twice in the last week, really looking forward to the Flyers Canucks Stanley Cup final. Oh my God, could you? Imagine? And then and it, it was it was which I, I get what he's doing. It was funny. It was a joke. Man, it the hockey people. guys YouTube channel would be. Very interesting. <laughs> um, regardless, like like, there are twenty nine points in twenty nine games. Ironically, but there are twenty nine points in the standings, and another win, one win, to get to thirty one. Depending on what everybody else does, there are seven teams in front of you, within <sighs> two points. Wow! Like you you go from being hey guess what the bottom's not that far away there's only 8 behind you to there's only 7 in front of you to be in the top 18 again right guess what the playoffs aren't that far from you either right well that that's what i'm getting at like this happens every year the distance between oh you're back in the playoff race and you could be one of the final playoff teams and the difference between being one of the true bottom feeders in the bottom 5 of the league is usually a matter of 5 points either way right you know what i mean like you you could be in the playoffs with five points the right way, or you could be at the very bottom. And at the time, they were near the bottom. 
Like I, I, I legitimately sat there and looked and I went, listen, if Buffalo wins another game, if Seattle wins another game, Vancouver's coming on because of what they've done since their coaching change. If it continues, you're going to be like 28th in the league before yep. you know it. And what happens next after that? Like, where do you keep going from there? And how much longer before we start talking about you in the same breath as and and listen, there's still an element of this for me with for a team with four with, with four say what games. You want to say at what point do they start cutting bait? No, it wasn't that for me because I knew when it was. Like, I knew it wasn't December. You kind of are just stuck riding it out. But my point was is that how long before you we like you could have come like there was there was a way for me to look at it where I go if you lose to Arizona. And the loot and the winless streak hits twelve, and 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 you're still not and you're and you're still not gaining points. Like let's let's assume that the Vegas game wasn't a win, right? And and it's and assume it's not a hey you get a point loss. It's not the loser point loss. It's nothing again for the ninth time in eleven games because only two of those like that. It, I, I said this during the during the losing streak. The difference between the ten game losing streak four seasons ago, where they still made the playoffs later that year, was five of those games went to overtime. And in addition to the five, where hey, listen, you're in an extra session somewhere, whether it's overtime or a shootout, you're one good play away from making it a win. And obviously, you're getting a point. They played okay. They had a shootout loss against Winnipeg. They had the lead with a minute to play. They oh, God, gave I remember that game. They gave up the tying goal with forty seconds left or something like that. Fifty yeah. seconds left. Okay, that's one. They led multiple games during that stretch by two goals. Yep. So you're in a position where you're not. It's not like you're sitting here playing the game that you played against the Devils and you're losing three to nothing. And you're never in the game, or you're losing to Tampa, and it's seven to one, and you're never in the game. You were in games because you would go ahead three to one, four to two, going to the third period in some cases, and you'd find a way to lose from there. But you were in the game. It's not like it was a team that we sat there and and sure at the time, it's it's Dave Hackstall coaching the team, and the noise was loud. Yes, yep. should they make a change? Should they do this? And they stuck to their guns that year because. For them, it was, it's tough luck. We're there, but we're not finishing the job. Right. As opposed to nothing's going right from start to finish. That was the difference. That's why this change, I think, was made when it was. But if they lose the game to Vegas in regulation and then go on and play Arizona, if you don't win that game, and especially if you don't get points, for, which means they've lost 10 of 12 in regulation, 12 in a row, obviously. I think you you're might looking have seen ahead a, to. I think you might have seen a change. I think teams are changing kind of how they think about in-season trades and getting guys for longer than just the 20 games after the trade deadline. I think you would have seen Chuck Fletcher seriously per, start pursuing a trade and like a fairly, I believe, I like a fairly major trade. I believe there's some part of him that's tried to some extent, not... Like, I think Rasmus Ristolainen would be gone. I think somebody like that. I don't necessarily know if Claude Giroux's gone because, again, you, you do want to see him hit some of those milestones we talked about earlier in the show in your jersey. But I think well, and, 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 some of the mid-level guys would start looking and gone. Well, and, he, and here's the thing, right? You're going to get to a point, and it might be very soon, let's be real. You're going to get to a point very soon where you have to make a decision on – what you're really trying to do here. I, look, I think that for for everything that I see, the mindset is we're not out of it. We can come back. We can be in the playoffs. 
and 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 from a player standpoint, why shouldn't it be? But in that, it, to me, as a as a coach, as a general manager, if you're going to be trying that, if that's your message, we're not done yet. We ha- we put together this team thinking we should we should make the playoffs, and we're still not out of it despite the losing streak, right? Like if that's your mindset, at some point you're going to in your head sit there and and it, it, it this doesn't really apply in Claude Giroux's case because. He is giving you something. I mean, I mentioned the points oh, yeah. over the course of the seven games, but how much do you become seriously if you really want to win? How much does it start to look like a charity case that somebody like Keith Yandel can make mistakes he makes, and you're and you're leaving him was, in because because of records within reach? Just about to bring this up. Um, like, like I get what you're trying to do, and you're trying to sit there and say, "Listen, the guy's been in the league forever. He hasn't missed a game in forever." But let's put it this way. I think you remember me asking you. Sorry to cut you off here. I oh, you're think good. I think you remember me asking you. I might have asked it on the show. I definitely asked you at some point. Mm-hmm. Will Keith Yandel's shortcomings be overlooked because of this chase for the record? And when well, Elaine Vigneault was in charge, you said, no, I, I think Elaine Vigneault will ice the best team whether Keith Yandel's out there or not. And I don't know. I don't necessarily know if Elaine Elaine Vigneault ever really had another option because you were missing Ryan Ellis for most of that time, and Cam York's not. You know, at what point do we try Cam York? At what point does somebody different come in? At what point, like Keith Yandel, has been atrocious? It hasn't been right medium. It hasn't been bad. It's been awful. Here's where the. Right, but here's where the situation is, and this is why I think, like, I still stand by that thought. If it came down to it, Elaine Vigneault has the difficult conversation and, and is that guy who goes, I can't play you. I right. believe that. But the problem is is that when half of the year you're icing Nick Sealer on top of it, yep. you go out and make a waiver claim for Kevin Connaughton just to get somebody else and who's, get a body. More, who's more of a bottom six guy than nick sealer is oh yeah at, at a, and then and then think about this at a time when you could consider calling up a, a guy like cam york he ends up in a, on a covid list in the minors right. so you now you not only have to wait to see what happens when he gets like when he comes back but you gotta give him some games you can't just sit there and say hey by the way you're back from the covid list in the minors come up here you right haven't now skated with a team in two weeks okay come play in the nhl right you can't do that zamula was hurt at the beginning of the year so you could have gone that direction, like, like, like he's been back for a little while, is my point. But the, but the other issue is, is that the only thing that they were doing is also the same thing. They only were really skating. The Phantoms played one game in two weeks for a while. Right, and not so it's even, hard to say. Play. I don't even think it was because of them, right? It was mostly because their opponents just kept getting canceled. York was York was the only one I know of who went on the list. Right, that's what I'm saying. I didn't hear about huge major COVID issues in Lehigh Valley, but no, they have they've been pretty good, all things considered, but. I haven't been following the Phantoms, but if Zamula is looking decent at all, looking like he's getting his legs back, I I don't mind him at the NHL level in a bottom pair role. Well, and and see, but this is where I'm going, where it's like you can, because it's a guy in the minor leagues, you can almost lean on the excuse of, well, we're still giving him time. We're still giving him time. We're still giving him time. Oh, he he broke the record. Now it's time. You know, like. I, I think now it's become a charity case because because here's the other hard part of it. We're reaching this realization, and I'm not trying to make it sound like he's been better than like over like like I'm like right. like hear me, hear me out. I'm not trying to make it sound like Keith Yandel is 
has been playing has played better over the last month and a half at some point where you quieted this for a while it's there was nobody else legitimately there was nobody else for at the like when the struggle started there wasn't anybody else you could bring four games into the season when ryan ellis disappears well it's it's ellis disappears and nick sealer's got to come in and play and then nick sealer's not very good either so like you're really (sighs) stuck like like you almost had to address him before you could dress like now yandel's the guy who like 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 down to Connaughton's playing better than Yandel. Connaughton's playing solid. I'm, because I've been because very happy with the Kevin Connaughton claim. Well, because he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. That's what I think it is. You know what I mean? Role. Like Keith Yandel is still which trying is, to be which power role play is, one Keith Yandel. But that that even bothers me because like I look at the mistake he made in the Ottawa game and I go, "This is really all you're here for." That's like, the problem. Like he this can't is even really do the, the thing only he's thing... supposed to do. Right. Right. <sighs> right. Like that's like that's why he's here. He's a power play specialist. We brought him in to replace Ghost, basically. Well, which is what see what's funny and and because if you ask Twitter, apparently, like, look, I'm not saying no, Twitter I'm not even not... bringing that up because I I no, know no, no, he's been I'm good saying... for a bad Arizona team, but it nah. no 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 I'm not talking. It, this had oh, nothing okay. to do with Ghost. It was it was a um I was gonna say it, it's because if you ask Twitter and I'm not saying Twitter's ignoring what Yandel's doing, but. If you ask Twitter, Travis Sanheim's the worst defenseman on the team, and that's the farthest thing from the truth. I think the first two weeks of the season, he was bad. Oh, no, he was, but what I'm saying is and that I think he's you, gotten you, better if, since then. If you watch the last month, even during the bad losing streak, Travis Sanheim has been good. He's still been probably your best defenseman. And Ristolainen's not far behind. Like the, He's also been very solid. Like, yep. I, like I'm not trying to say Ristolainen's perfect. I'm, I'm far from it. But you, th- there's an element, like... There's games where I look at Ivan Provorov and I go, what's up with you right now? Like, right. I feel like every year, Flyers Twitter picks a defenseman to pick on. And for the longest time, it was Andrew McDonald and he deserved it. Fair then enough. Then it was Ghost for a while. Then it was Ghost for a couple of years. And to be honest, for a large portion of that time, he also kind of deserved it. And now it's fallen to Travis Sanheim. And for no good freaking reason though. Well, and I think it's because he had a bad first two weeks. And with with Ghost not here, he's the problem. And for the first two weeks, I think he was a problem. I think there were more problems right. on the team than that, but he was a problem and I think they've latched. Even though Travis Anheim has gotten better, I think that's who we've decided is the bad defenseman this year in air quotes. Yeah, uh, it makes sense. And I I, so. I hope that the goal against Ottawa, which is very, very nice play, helps kind of quiet some of that. Well, see, I don't even think it's just that because he start he also started the week off by scoring his first goal of the season. So Right. So he's picking it up. Well, I want you to think about a couple of people then over this little stretch because Sanheim's on the board twice now with goals. How about how about some Oscar Limblom who in the last seven games since the coaching change was made all of a sudden has six points? Love me some Oscar Limblom. Like, I think five of it, like, I think yep. I said that right. Five it's five of his six points have come since the coaching change. Something like that. So so you've got five points in seven games after getting one in twenty one, twenty two. Cam Atkinson with a hat trick against New Jersey, but he's been excellent all season, so that's not really much of a surprise. There are, see, but you know what you're getting to, and to an extent anyway, you're starting to get the clarity because because a couple weeks ago I go on the air and I mentioned the thing about listen, I think you just need to kind of admit what kind of team you're going to be for a few years, which means like 
embrace that you're going to be kind of a bad team right and and start to build it back up and and the, like the question becomes well what do you do with all these guys who you're locked in the contracts with and my answer to, to to start with was well for some of them you're stuck like you're stuck with the kevin hayes contract whether you like it or not and kevin hayes is clearly not a health healthy 100 percent. it's no. obvious no so like if you're looking for like 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 if you're sitting here trying to ask yourself what the positive of, of his game are listen the team still feeds off of when he does produce because that there's no doubt about that. He's an energy guy for sure. But even like, but even that's down in his play. Like, like I don't, and I don't know this like, year plus four more years. Well, here's no, here's my issue with this year in particular. One, I don't think he's fully healthy because they brought him back. He got into another situation, I, missed more time, came back really quickly after the second go round. Right. And then, I think he and, rushed back a little bit because Derek Brassard had just gone out yep. and he was looking at the team Bingo. and going, oh no. Right. And well, and, and so, but I also think that there's a mental aspect to it because it's everything. It's, Guy hasn't been healthy that much over the course of the year, wasn't healthy last year to finish out the year. He hasn't gotten to get into a groove. You know, obviously all the stuff with his brother. And then on top of it, by the way, like throw in the fact that one of the only coaches you've really ever known because he played, you know, all those years with the Rangers. Elaine Vigneault is your coach. Come to Philadelphia. Elaine Vigneault is going to be your coach from day one. Now that's different. Yep. It's just a whirlwind for the for him. And what are you supposed to do in that mental state when also you're, you know, you're a fun loving type of guy and quite possibly like quite possibly with where the league is right now, they're telling you don't do anything, you know? Like, what kind of mental state are you going to be in? You know what I mean? So Right. Like I, I think I think it's just a rough year for him, period. And it's he's trying his best to bear through it. But but I look at like others, like 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 the question was like brought up about Atkinson. You just made you just made that trade. You got three more years beyond this one. I don't think that that's such a bad thing though. Like I look at what he's still able to do, and I go, you can still get something from him. He's a spark plug. Like, he does still bring you something. Like, he's not leading the team in goals for no reason. Although, I don't know if he's actually leading the team in goals. Is he tied again? I think I, he's tied. Uh, no, it's close. Drew's one behind him. It's close. Um, but he's But he is giving you point production. He's second in points. You're 29 games into the season. He's at 20 points. He's not going to be a point per game player per se because of the fact that he's more the goal scoring type than he is the setup guy. But but the numbers actually even out pretty well. He's got twelve goals and eight assists. That's a good even ratio, all things considered. Yeah, you're happy about that. Well, because he's not Claude Drew. Claude Drew's at twenty five points. He's got eleven goals, but you expect the assist number to be higher always with Claude Drew. Sure. Like to be on and to be honest. Atkinson was the one who set up the goal for Sandheim in overtime. I kind of thought it would have been nice, given the uncertainty of, and we're gonna now we got we got to get into the uncertainty of next week and then wrap us up. But yeah, given the uncertainty of next week, it would have been nice if Giroux would have assisted on the goal. You know what I want? You know what would have been nice because I've written it down enough times in previews that I'd like to stop writing it down because it's been a milestone watch thing for like three weeks Ever. at this point. Travis Konechny needs one goal to get to a hundred. He's sitting on ninety nine. And at the time, as we're watching this thing, he Claude Drew is one point from passing Bill Barber for second and one assist away from 600 in his career. Wow. And you're sitting there going, just do it, you just know? Set him up. Just just, like, just hit all the milestones it, all like, at once. Make it, make it happen right here. And Multiple birds, one stone. Drew to Konechny. Although, actually, in hindsight, like, 
and maybe maybe players don't care about this stuff, but like you give out, you know, you give out the puck, you take the picture, and all that stuff like that. Like, Who gets it? They saw it in half. Right, exactly. Like I, they probably would, honestly. They no, but you, because you, then you know, you get, then you still get to hold up your tape picture with the half puck, and you get your tape on the half of the puck. But you know, it'd be not funny, but you know, it'd be perfect for this too. Like. It's setting itself up nicely that, that Drew's going to have one that's going to have a lot of writing on it because it'll be, here's 600 assists and second all-time in franchise history all at the same time, you know, in nice. points. Like, it, it, which would be real, which, for that one. <laughs> which, which would be really, but it would be really cool. And and, and there will be, a, like, he, he just literally, I don't even know if we mentioned it last week, week on last week's show. In the in the Vegas game, he passes Bobby Clark for first all time in power play points. Yep. So so I mentioned that too in in the takeaway because it's there's another milestone. So he's already gotten to that one. He's chasing a thousand games. He's chasing nine hundred points. He's going to move a, into second all time. Like it's he's, a big milestone res- season for Claude Giroux. Right. The resume keeps growing for him, even if it's not going to be the best year, even if it doesn't end the way we think it is. It's going to continue to increase the resume that in 10 years, when you look back, you're going to look at him and you're going to say, you know, all you're going to change your mind about what you think of him. I wish I wish, 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 wish the Flyers were organizationally in a spot where they could go for it this year. Just really throw everything at the wall and turn this into the best season of Claude Drew's life. And like I they're not. And I'm certainly not suggesting it because I don't think they're there. I don't think that would be a good decision. Mm-hmm. But my God, get this man a cup. And I want it to be here. And if the season goes how we kind of think it's going to go, then they're not going to be that team. And if that's the case, I want him to have his best chance. And this is when I want it to happen because I want him to go. I want him to win his cup. I want to, first of all, I want to get a haul for him because he's going to be one of the bigger targets on the trade market, more than likely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I want to get an absolute pile for him. He goes to Colorado or Boston or Toronto or Tampa or whoever wants to add him, whoever wants to go make a cup run, he'll get to pick. And I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being one of those four teams, by the way. There's one key caveat to whichever team it is. And he might get the choice of where he would like to try to go. But well, I he ultimately does have the choice because he does have that. Well, yeah, because he, he has to waive the clause. I get it. But right. you can't if you do move him, you can't come out of that deal with anything less than at least the first round pick of the team that you're trading with. At it, least. It, it, you cannot get less than that. Not for a guy who... I think 20. you get a pick and a prospect, honestly. I think you get a first-round pick and a good prospect for Claude Giroux. Well, because you can't, you cannot trade, A, your captain, and B, guy who's still 25 points in 29 games, so yep. right up there, near point-per-game pace. Producing at, a, producing at a Tier 1 NHL level. Right. You can't go into that and come away with anything less than what you deserve in that package we we can sit here and like you can look at every other player that they have that they could that they could move we could argue all day about Ristolainen's case for what he could bring back in a contract year given what his contract is you cannot and and, and listen sweeten like like I said from the beginning sweeten the deal if you have eating salary not going to affect you any for the rest of this year you're going to eat salary because Comcast the, the money doesn't particularly matter to Comcast and getting that cap number down around four is much more palatable for a playoff team than eight. Well, yeah, I get that. Um, no, I mean, you, like, have look, to, this... you have to retain salary and maximize return on Claude Drew. 
one year left, absolutely. I mean, it's not even one year at that point. It's like well, that's it's what two, I'm saying. It's two, it's two months. Deal with it for like that small stretch. Um, right. All right. Well, let's get let's let's shift gears really quick as we wrap it up and get into like back to this big story because yeah, this has kind of been an overtone of the show, and we do kind of apologize if it's it sounded kind of negative at times, but. Things are pretty bad in the NHL right now. We've we've talked about it a little bit. There are five teams currently shut down through at least Christmas. Um, I believe, Kevin, you said in our group text yesterday that 50% of the league schedule between Saturday and Sunday this past weekend were postponed. Yeah. And those were f- kind of full schedule weekend type days. And you're losing half your games on a very important weekend right before Christmas. Right. So, so let me let me it's look ahead good. really. No, it's not. So let Things me look ahead bad. really quick. Yeah. So you don't you obviously you know the drill by now when it comes to this particular week of the season in normal circumstances and it's still the same no matter what. There are no games scheduled from Friday through Sunday. The 24th, 25th and 26th is a complete freeze on everything. It stops the league stops. I wish the NHL would do like one showcase game on Christmas, but I get why they don't. They don't want to compete with the NBA. I understand. Well, but. and this, to be honest, in a season like this, it's even worse That's because, fair. well, or I shouldn't say season. This particular year, it's worse because Christmas falls on a Saturday. So now you're not just competing with the NBA. The NFL is on too. Uh, right. Like, good luck. Like, you don't want to be like at that point in time. What they what they also like to do is, I think what they like to do is look at that particular thing, like. You're going to go back and forth over the diversity in your league from co- country to country is going to be like like there's Canadian Thanksgiving, there's American Thanksgiving. So not everybody's doing the same thing on either day. Yes, Thanksgiving Day in America, there is no hockey on like it is a complete day off. But like, let's be real, like it doesn't make a difference. I would also really love if they made that day like Canadian teams playing each other rivalry day. Right. Give me give me Jets versus Canucks and Leafs versus Senators. You know, give me give me some all Canada yeah, games on Thanksgiving on American Thanksgiving. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I th- I think that the NHL tries to focus an awful lot on those holidays, though. Like I think they tend to focus a lot on not getting dumpstered in the ratings by the NFL. Well, that too. Like, well, I think that's the thing. Like America, like at this point in time, the best that the NHL could do if they wanted to really do a showcase is do football's got game. thanks. Well, well, no, but it's this football's got Thanksgiving. There's three games on Thanksgiving day when there's nothing else on at all. Every, everything else is off Christmas day. You get the NBA showcase. There's like five. I think there's always five games every Christmas day. Right. Right. As far as, far as I'm concerned, you've got new year's day winter classic all the time. That's and fair. you could stack and you could stack the rest of the lineup with, Hey, yeah. listen, but you're going against bowl games. Well, that's true. You're going well, against bowl games, and there's some history there. Well, that's true, but that's what. But that might be your. That, that's probably your best bet outside of it. Like you're probably right. I mean, because how much more are you supposed to compete with? There's not exactly a holiday that works. Like, like okay, you ready? baseball. Baseball's got the freaking Fourth of July. You ready? What Halloween showcase? Valentine's Day. Nah, see, uh, hang on. You can't do that. Why because not? This, because this particular year, oh, Valentine's Day, throwing. No, well, it, it is this. All-star. No, but no, this particular year, I think Valentine's Day is is the day after the Super Bowl. Oh my God! Of course it is. 
So you can't even compete with that. Like again, not you. So you're, you know, sometimes, sometimes you've also just got to probably take your rightful place where you belong, kind of where you are. And and there's not a good day for you to be showcased when you're number four on the list. Like it just is what it is. Yeah. So anyway, sucks. back to what I was getting into. So we know that there's no games on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? Um, to this point, uh, this let me go to Monday. There is one game is already postponed for Monday. This is from a while ago. What this didn't come out recently. Um, so Detroit, Colorado is off on Monday, and that's due to Colorado shut. But that was that's due to Colorado such shutdown. We knew that there are still that's one, two, three, four, four games scheduled for Monday, which which isn't out of the ordinary, by the way. That's four out of five. Everything's still pretty much on because every team that I'm looking at, no real issues as far as I can tell. Okay, mate. I mean, Edmonton's had a few pop up. They've been Montreal okay just had recently. one. Yeah. Montreal just had one go on the list from yesterday but again it's not the hard part with doing this is that there's one element where we look at the number of players that are entering protocol and go it feels like it's headed toward a shutdown period <laughs> excuse me but there's an element to the number from each individual team like there's teams out there like 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 I look at Tuesday's Flyers Capitals game and I go, the reason why I'm like paying close attention to the status of that at this point is because the Flyers are off today. We're not going to know anything further until tomorrow, probably, because it's going to be the next time they get tested. You're not getting tested on an off day. Right. If, it's, if you say it's a complete off day, you're not getting tested. So they are not getting tested today, as far as I know. They will get tested tomorrow. They'll have a practice. If Let's put it this way. Somebody will pay clear attention who's, who attends, because I, I won't be there physically. But someone will pay close attention to, hey, did so-and-so get pulled from the ice in the middle of practice? Right. You know, because that's that's probably how it would work. You'll get tested in the morning, and you'll wait You'll wait the results, and by the time you're on the ice for practice, somebody's going to tell you something. You know what I mean? And, and, and right now, as far as the active roster, it's just Max Willman in protocol right now, correct? Uh, Max Willman and Morgan Frost. And Morgan Frost, I'm sorry. Well, okay, so Max Willman and Morgan Frost are in COVID protocol. Carter Hart did not was not available for Saturday because of an undetermined illness. That was what was said, which very well in that case could be, hey, one more test, and if it comes back the way that it needs to, he's in protocol. Right. He's, right. Well, and, and obviously as of this recording, we haven't heard anything on that yet, and like you said, we're pretty unlikely to hear stuff today. So, Right. Well, f we were unlikely to hear stuff from the Flyer standpoint today. Well, the, right. Capitals, the Capitals have a game tonight which means that they are in the middle of going through this process already. TJ Oshie is out tonight. He's not available. He's in COVID protocol. He becomes the fourth guy who's in protocol. Now, caveat, one player who is in protocol is technically back and working, is able to be on the ice with the team. That's how long he's been in, in protocol. Right. Garnet, Garnet Hathaway has been in protocol for probably the better part of Somewhere like in the range of ten, at least oh, ten days. God, so he's gonna come back and be irritated if he ends up not playing tonight and playing on Tuesday. He's gonna be a pill. I don't even know if he's. I don't even know if he's close to doing that because they even said he didn't stay on the ice for any extra work. I don't know what the deal is. Like we'll have to see. Anyway, um, you got his situation, and then they have two others who are out. I think Tom Wilson's one of them, by the way. Um, oh, so I have to go look Hathaway will be extra fired up because he's got to be the big toughie. No, but it could be interesting if you take those two off the ice. If Wilson if you take and those Hathaway, two off the ice, that changes the size of the Washington Capitals pretty dramatically. Sure. 
Uh, well, and, and they also have two players in their lineup who just recently came back, I think. Van, Trevor Van Riemsdyk just recently came back from protocol, and somebody else did. Good old TVR. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, to be honest, and it, 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 look, forgive me if the names are escaping me. There's so much news that comes out every minute. It's it's hard to process and remember it all off the top of your head for who's in, who's out. Well, you know what? I think that's a pretty good place to wrap it because. Well, well I, hold on. I, I was still going into a couple things with this to, to go forward because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because here's here's the problem. If Oshie entered today, it's obviously still present in their grouping here. I mean, even even going into yesterday for the Flyers, if Wilman got like if Wilman entered the list on Saturday and Hart was unavailable on Saturday, you're not out of the woods yet either. No. Which means that at this point in time, you're the, those Monday tests are going to be interesting. What's going to be interesting is is this. Right now, because right now the Flyers have two in protocol, one who's unavailable at the moment kind of thing, um, you're in a spot right now where you're it's wait and see, and then there, you also have to ask yourself, is there a number that's going to make them pull the plug on this the way they've pulled the plug on other games? Like, what's the number? you got teams out there right now who are, fo- who are forced to go out there and play with less than full rosters yep. because – and and that's honestly where the league's screwing things up more. They're not screwing up by saying, "Hey, we're going to cancel this game." They or do screwed this up by not allowing the taxi squad. They thought they were out of the woods. They thought they could get by with not having the taxi squad of guys who could just come in and out without having to go through blah 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 waivers and salary cap reasons and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The NHL thought they were out of the woods because everyone was vaccinated and that they weren't going to need it, and they need it. And it's too late to implement it now. I don't believe you're going to implement it halfway through the season. No, I th- see. I think they need to be able to pivot is the point. Oh, I'm hoping they are. I'm hoping they come back from this holiday break and they've kind of learned their lesson and go, all right, let's go taxi squad now. Thank you. All right. So so as so I already mentioned, there's four out of five games are being played on Monday for right now. There are 10 games scheduled for Tuesday. And as of right now, six of them are on on. OK, right. Um. And again, no surprises here when you look at who's who's postponed. It was already determined because they were shut down for the week. We have teams who so have Boston, been shut down Boston, for the week. Right. Nothing right, crazy. So, so Boston, Nashville, Florida, Calgary, they were all on the schedule for Tuesday. Those games are now off. No surprises. Four games on Wednesday on Wednesday schedule, three of them still on Colorado again with a game that got postponed. Shut down, right. But again, only three more anyway on Wednesday. Thursday is going to be the real interesting one for me right now because I looked. There's 15 games originally on the schedule, so all but two teams in the league are playing that night. That's it. So who does not have a game on Thursday anymore based off of this? Right. Um. Three. Okay. So. Okay. So ironically, this made it easy. You pull a game like Florida Nashville, which both teams are shut down. It works out. Colorado. Oh, Colorado Boston also. Works out, and there then Calgary, Calgary, Seattle. So I, I'd have to really scroll through to figure out the other two teams that are not on the schedule. Period, because I'm not going to go look through every yeah, single yeah, one no. here. But, but that still means you've only postponed three out of fifteen. So you still have a twelve game slate for Thursday. That's not obviously bad. your big. That's obviously your big day. But as of right now, well, as of right now, and here's the other key to that: that's your biggest day of the schedule that's left, and it's also, of course, the one that's the furthest out. Like. We're talking Sunday right now. It's, it's the one most thing to look at this point. <laughs> it's one thing to look at the rest of today's schedule and say, "Listen, you have four out of eight games on the schedule still on." They're probably going to go through with it because at the end of the day, right now, I think the, ant- the 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 methodology behind what you're doing 
is there's still four games on the schedule today out of the eight that were originally scheduled. And if we can get those four games in, it's four less that need to be postponed and rescheduled. Right. And I think the NHL is just kind of gritting their teeth and trying to get through Thursday because then you get a couple days off and hopefully that kind of helps alleviate some things a little bit. But uh, hold on. Okay. Well, as we start now, to hold think on, about heading to towards say- a wrap, we're getting a we're getting a last minute news update here. Three more for uh, three more going on the list from Columbus. Jeez. So that just came through. Um, I don't even know what the running number is now. I'd have to go look. But um, Jack Roslovic, Boone Jenner, Gabriel Carlson, all on the list now. Tough. Um, Now, they don't have a game today, by the way, I don't think. Okay. Or do they? Oh, no, they do. Or nope, that's tomorrow. Sorry. That is tomorrow. Okay. So they don't have a game today, they have a, but they have a game tomorrow against Buffalo, and now three players are in there. So, um, and and they canceled their practice today. So, okay, yeah, a lot of teams. You're seeing a lot of teams cancel practices once some positive tests start popping up, just as a precaution. The, the thing to me, this and this is where I probably will, this is where I'll probably leave everything for the show this week yeah. because I don't want to make this too much longer. But, um, there was you know like there was an like it was inevitable what was going to happen as as things rolled around in March 2020. And it didn't even hit yet when I watched the last game that I watched in person that year, which was the the Boston game on March 10th. Right. It, it, even then, it was things are a little different, but it wasn't that different. Right. Building was full, good competitive game. Life hadn't dramatically changed yet. Right. It was the it was the next night. The team was getting ready to go to Tampa Bay for for the Thursday. It was a third going to be a Thursday night game, but it was Wednesday night, and the NBA is talking about postponing games because they've got a case. And as soon as that happened, it's over. I I was legitimately sick to my stomach the whole night because of the fact that I am like, I think we're just going to see them shut the whole thing down right now. Like everything else in the world is, we maybe we need to take a couple weeks off. Yep. Let's shut it all down. And here, like. And then Thursday morning, we get the news that the Flyers didn't leave for Tampa. No, they did. Oh, they did. They did. They, they were there. They were already in Tampa, but they basically just turned them right back around and said, right, go right, home. right. I remember something happened with their travel. So yeah. um, and that was like one of the that was one of the first right. indications we had that, like, things were going to get shut down. Right. But here, so here. But here's the thing with that. Like, as much as it was like you were sick to your stomach about it. We we got through the next four months as they were kind of just taking it easy. It was it was as, as much of a pro- as much of a problem as it was. We got through that. Everything started to come back, even even in bubble form. And it was it was there. They finished the season out. You gave them full marks for finishing out the season the way that they had to, and you got to start over. And even last year, you you put new things in place. It was very different, but you still played, and like. The thing that I keep describing it is, is you you have right now a situation where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And the reason that I say is because all signs are pointing towards, especially now. Okay, here you go. Seven. Someone just. Or this was from last night. This is from 23 hours ago. I just saw it pop up. So as as of 23 hours ago, there were 20 72 players were put in COVID protocol in the last five days, which is roughly 10 percent of the league. That's a um, so now 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 you're getting closer to 15, obviously. And there's got to be a number in mind where you just say. We got to stop this. Shut it all down, um, and that and this is what I'm saying. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Because if you do, 
it, it can be the right call in the here and now. I don't disagree with that. It can be the right call to say, we've got to stop this. This is not right. Shut it down. But I don't think that delay, like all you're doing to me in two, in two weeks time is delaying what's going to continue to happen. Like, I don't think there's any sign of this slowing down. You just need to know what to do. Like, like to be honest, it's almost going to be hard for you to come back from a shutdown, which yep. is, I think, why they're trying to push through. Because Especially their this is, is early that, in the season. The, the, the main difference two years know, ago was that you had 70 games played. You could go straight to the playoffs. You can't go straight to the playoffs on a 30-game season Well, the and, well, game season. All right. Well, it, it's, it was two things. One, you're right. But two, it was everybody else was going to do it too. Like right. all of the well, leagues yeah, came into too. agreement. Came into agreement. And it's like we can't do this right now. Period. So you took the whole spectrum away. Like the NFL just all adjusted their protocols too. Do you think they're they're postponing games, but they're not postponing games like, hey, we're going three weeks down the line. Well, here's the thing with the NFL is they have changed their testing policy to basically as soon as you stop testing positive, you're good. I know. And the NHL will not be allowed to do no, that it, it, just because no, of the order. That's, that's not the way that I read the testing policy. I, I thought I was reading the testing policy in the NFL as if you don't have symptoms, we're not going to test you. You well, could be positive. We're not going to test to find that's out. That's also the case. But like, even when you are getting tested and when you do have symptoms, the second you stop testing positive, you're done. And the NHL just I – mean, even if they do implement something like that, they're still going to have to get tested every single time they go to Canada, symptomatic or not. Well, that that brings a whole another dynamic into it because right now they probably shouldn't even be going across the border if that's the case. Which is, I, I wonder if the Canadian government forces the NHL's hand in terms of a shutdown. Oh, wow. So uh, uh, no, I'm not responding okay. to you. I know this is what I'm reading on Twitter for now. The Blue Jackets are holding a morning skate in Columbus tomorrow at 10 a.m. and then traveling to Buffalo for their game at seven. Things are bad, guys. Well, no, as as it, as in we're treating this like the minors, where you're going to practice at home and go. And and obviously it says for now. I, look, there's no harm. There's no harm to getting to tomorrow and saying, listen, for a week we just have to stop the whole thing. There isn't harm to it, but I don't know that you're. Uh, if your goal by shutting it down is if your goal by shutting it down is it's going to stop the spread for now look maybe look maybe it does maybe it doesn't you know like and i say this meaning you could still have this happen no matter what but i think that now that you have an enhanced protocols back in place and you're trying to reduce contact and all this type of stuff maybe the best method here is to just stop for the week well get to I next get to next monday like it's it's two games here, and I don't know that you know. Well, and you certainly don't have to mandate it, but if you shut down for a week, teams I imagine would probably also be very interested in encouraging their players to go get their booster while they have a couple days to recover. Well, and that's that is another aspect of and it because what you is, also can do is that, you're going to take away you're taking away the well I'll get it when it's convenient within my team schedule. And aspect that is something that can make an actionable change towards slowing spread once a season resumes. Or, I'm not well, saying it stops it. I'm certainly not saying it makes all the cases go away. I understand the realities of the vaccine and the third booster and et cetera, et cetera. Right, but it helps. Well, and and here's the other thing about it to an extent as well. Like, y y there's a level of this at some point where 
look, you may always, no matter how hard you try, you may always have 15, 20, 25 players in protocol at any point. Like, it's going to happen. You have rosters of 20-some-odd players. There's always a potential for sure. every team to be dealing with one or two. Next thing you know, that means 25 players are in COVID protocol. It, there's always that potential. This is now over 100 in a span of five days. It's a huge spike. It's something along the lines of nearing 15% of the league's active players. Yep. You've already taken in, and, and, and let's go this way, you've already thrown in players who are not positive on that list because you've already taken, Calgary had two guys left, but they still are off just the way the same 20 that are on protocol are. You know what I right. mean? Like, it doesn't change anything. And Calgary, to this point, since shutting down, has come back, I think, two days in a row with we have had no more additional positive. Not that there's many that left to test positive anyway, <laughs> right. but but maybe what their point is is that no subsequent positive tests. And, and they're not necessarily sitting here telling you like they're, they're still shut down until Christmas. Right. So they're not necessarily telling you, hey, by the way, maybe somebody also snapped out of it and they got a negative test and we're feeling better about the direction they're going, right. you know, and, 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 and another thing, good news on the front that. By all accounts, nobody is seriously ill, which is good, right? And even There's last no accounts- year, we we had yeah, some you're- hmm, we had some Marco Rossi. There were a couple of names of guys who look, were kind of sick. Look but, at Ristolainen, right? But Rist- thankfully, Ristolainen had some serious side effects from all this, serious long term effects from being sick with it. Yep. Thankfully, the vaccine seems to be you know even it, if it's not quite as effective as pre- at preventing the spread right now, it does seem to at least be having its intended effect of lessening symptoms making it less dangerous and that's good right and so we'll just see where it goes like the bottom line of what we're trying to say here is not even about the rest of the league it's just the flyers have two games on the schedule still for this week as we are talking yep i don't believe anything is going to happen today because of the fact that if it did we'd already know by now like let's put it this way we're going to finish this up and within three hours time two of the four games on the schedule are going to be off and running and i wouldn't doubt that the rest are in play you know at this point but (laughs) but but what happens but what happens when you get to monday and tuesday and thursday like that's what the question is so just don't hold to anything i wouldn't be shocked i mean look they moved the eagles game in philadelphia to the same time as the flyers game get there If, if if the flyers game didn't happen i wouldn't care you wouldn't be super duper sad about not having to sit through that traffic well, look, I don't care. It, it's not the traffic. It's it, like I, it's not even that because I've done it before. It's just like I said, the complaint is not that type of stuff. It's if you're complaining about that that type of stuff to me, it's because you haven't done it in two and a half years and That's you fair. just don't want to do it. That be, that being said. There, there's like, like I said, when you know that it feels like things are not right, like I. I look. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you I didn't enjoy myself being at a game on Saturday night, watching the Flyers and Senators to an extent. But as I got ready to leave, I didn't get myself ready to go until like an hour before I would typically start to. Right. Like over the fact that I just didn't want to assume anything. Like let's this way, they decided two hours before the Thursday game in Montreal that oh fans, no fans. are not coming anymore. Yep. You know, you just don't want to take a chance on anything changing last minute that I'm going to start to drive down there and I'm, am I going to get there and be told turn around you know right. like you, you never know uh, like 
I'm going to be doing the same. I, I don't even think it's going to come to Tuesday. If I wake up on Tuesday morning and there's a game on the schedule, I think it's happening. Right. I agree. You know, and but but I think that Monday is a very crucial day for this because by the end of the day, you're going to see more happening. You're going to see more come up. And it's a question about what happens next. It's just where do we go from here? What happens next? The Olympics should be out of the picture, by the way. The Olympics should be totally out of the picture, but it's probably not going to be the case. Well, where we go from here, because we got to head towards an exit here. Where we go from here is that we're going to be off next week. Uh, so we're going to take this opportunity, have a good holiday, yeah. Merry Christmas if you celebrate Christmas, enjoy your holiday season. If not, even if you just have a day off of work, enjoy it. And uh, other than that, follow us. You know, This show will be back in two weeks. Uh, what's that? Or are we going to do a show in two weeks? That'll be the second, right? Yeah, yeah I don't, we can do a show that in I don't, second. No, that's I don't see any reason why not. The only thing that's going to be a struggle for me is coming after, off of a 1030 game the night before but it is over a long weekend so we'll should figure it out we will be back on the second with our show you'll be able to find it where you found this one where you find all our shows youtube facebook instagram podbean itunes google podcast sports talk all over the place make sure to follow kevin at kevin underscore derso follow the show at uh whew, had a had a mind blank there for a second follow <laughs> the show at ywt podcast i'm doing this in a different order and it just threw me off uh, follow Sports Talk PHL. Follow Flyer Delphia. We'll keep you updated on what's going on with the NHL season and what's going on with the show here. So, uh, Kevin, before we get out of here, anything else? You said it all. All right. Fantastic. Have a good holiday season, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you.